This episode is made possible by PwC. The future calls for digital transformation you can trust. That's why the new equation is business-led and cloud-forward, using secure technologies to drive tax-efficient solutions for today and tomorrow. It's how people and technology work together to transform transformation. See how the new equation is building trust and security with the latest tech at thenewequation.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Addicts podcast. My name is Monk. Hey, everybody. It's Los. Week two is almost in the books. We've got a rip-roaring finale, Cleveland versus the New York Jets to end this week. And, uh, well, how are your teams looking, Mung? Uh, Better than last week, although, uh, you know, in, in one league, I thought that Ben Roethlisberger might be a good streaming option. Oof, yeah, I know how that feels. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get to all that and more, of course, Ben... Uh, a few other injuries to note, but uh, luckily we, we made it through week two fairly unscathed, I would say. All right, good. I'm, uh, I've got a few matches heading into this night, actually. Uh, I need Nick Chubb to put up like 30, so I'm pretty well certain that one's not working out for me. And then I need Robbie Anderson to not score like 14. So I think I'm, I think I'm pretty well set in that one, but, uh, but Chubb I don't think is going to set the world on ablaze just this evening. I would uh, I would like Cleveland to win this game uh, without their defense. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Right. They could just put them on the field, put them on the bench. Yeah. Um, but uh, before we get into the week three matchups, I think Los, can you can you guess? Is there any doubt as to who would be getting the Gillette Close Shave of the Week this week? Uh, does he live in Chicago? He might. Oh. Was he in a tall build? I screwed this up. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Just uh, you're terrible at foreplay. Oh, well, that's mm, I'm mm. not getting into that. All right. Well, we will get into uh, a little a little person called Eddie Pinero. And he is he is not that large either. Oh, well, I mean, you know, kickers and uh, jockeys uh, and the like. Um, unless, of course, you're uh, Janikowski, then you know. yeah, he was a, he was an absolute unit, absolute unit. But all right, we digress. Uh, Eddie Pinero, just uh, Mister Pinero, uh, as he will henceforth be known, uh, hero. Um, after a back and forth, low scoring game in the Mile High City, the situation looked pretty dire for the Chicago Bears, as Joe Flacco. Yes, you heard. Joe Flacco drove down the field to score a touchdown with just 31 seconds left in the game. Elite. After an offsides penalty on the extra point attempt, Denver went for a two-point conversion and succeeded, leaving Mitch Trubisky and the Bears with a big uphill battle. After a questionable roughing the passer penalty, Trubisky eventually found Allen Robinson for a 25-yard completion down to the Broncos' 35-yard line. With one second left on the clock, Eddie Pinero converted a 53-yard field goal for the comeback win. It doesn't get much closer than that. Get your close shave like Eddie Pinero with Gillette. There's a best for every man. Get $3 off your first order when you create an account using the code WELCOME3. And try Gillette's new heated razor, providing comfort with every stroke. He uh, certainly beca- became a man at the end of that game. Little little man Pinero turns into Mr. Pinero. He's probably uh, getting his 
close shave on sometime this week as well in preparation for the next game. Yep, and if uh, if you recall last week on the show, I did uh, I did tell you that I I hoped that I would be wrong with my Denver pick, and indeed I was. All right, it hey, works for me. One and one. There we go. All right, uh, shall we uh, lead into the game breakdowns? Yeah, I mean, it, there's no Thursday night game this week, right? Um, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't call it much of a game, but uh, there is going to be football televised. That's right, Tennessee rolls into Jacksonville. Uh, they get the short week to prepare for Garter Minshew and the Jaguars. Uh, the main thing to discuss is the continued use of Derrick Henry. He's dominating carries. It seems, at least for now, that Deion Lewis will not be getting in the way that much. Uh, that makes Henry a weekly running back, too, with running back one production upside, which is not what I expected to see in the preseason, I, I, honestly. But it's a welcome change for this talented running back. Uh, Davis and A.J. Brown each saw five targets, but I would only use Delaney Walker, especially this week. He's a locked-in tight end one, especially against this Jacksonville defense. Uh, the wide receivers will definitely have bad days versus A.J. Bouye and Jalen Ramsey, unless Jalen Ramsey gets his wish and gets uh, traded out of town sometime in the next three days. Yeah, and with the way that trades have been happen, happening uh, all season long, uh, you know, very, very well could be true. Um, especially in the state of Florida. <laughs> right. And uh, a quick behind-the-scenes note, a uh, quick side note. I just, I'm very, very amused and glad that the for two weeks now in a row, um, I'm looking at your notes here for the podcast, and, and you always spell Minshew, M-I-N, and then the word <laughs> shoe, like on your foot, like S-H-O-E. Um, <laughs> that just makes me happy. I don't know why. I'm, I'm assuming it's a pronunciation thing for you, but... Uh, I don't know. It's I just... think it's I think it's autocorrect actually. Ah, hmm. uh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> does uh, d- does autocorrect also change Derek Carr to David Carr for you? Uh, I changed it to David and then Carr with one R. Yeah. Mm, ah, vroom vroom. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, Derek Henry here. I uh, like him quite a bit. I think this is going to be a low scoring affair, kind of ground and pound on both sides, kind of relying on their defense to keep things in ba- at bay. Um, and then, as you said, Delaney Walker, certainly like him a lot in this matchup. I've got him as a mid to low end tight end one as well. Uh, and yeah, I really don't want to start any other Titans players here. Uh, even if Ramsey were to get traded away, it's still a pretty solid defense. Um, let's move on to Jacksonville. All right. Despite the sheer coolness of Garter Minshew, this Jacksonville passing attack is Anything but cool. It's going nowhere fast. And I don't see the reins loosening soon on, on uh, Mr. Minshew on uh, on uh, Mega Garden. I don't know. Whatever. He actually had a really nice drive to end the game. But then they took the ball out of his hands, gave it to their best player. And Lenny couldn't. Uh, he stayed about inches away bef- uh, from winning that game. Oh, well. Uh, D.D. Westbrook is fast heading towards drop candidate status if he's not there already, uh, depending who's available. He lacks any upside in this passing attack right now. I would not bother with uh, DJ Shark, despite the touchdown and the awesome song about his name. It's really just Fournette, who's uh, taken 90-plus percent of the carries and getting passing game work, keeping him solid running back, too. This is going to be a slugfest Thursday night. Yeah, one more quick note. You know, this time, though, you spelled it M-I-N-S-H-U-E. So I I don't know what's going on here. Um but certainly, yeah. Well, what's going on is I just actually don't know what the guy's name is. Uh, it's well. Also, you're forgetting the second uh, at the end of his name. Oh yes, G- GM two. 
Gardner Minshew the second. Yeah, and uh, you know Minshew, he's looked pretty good for a rookie who's only played six games. But as you said, it's going to be a slugfest. Um, Shark got the most targets in week two, but it, it's really going to be kind of a wide receiver by committee in Jacksonville. I feel like I've used that term before. Um, ever since Allen Robinson left, it's just these guys are all going to be kind of inconsistent boomer bust flex plays, probably to avoid until we see Minshew consistently target anyone. Um, I don't know that Westbrook's droppable just yet, but certainly you wouldn't feel great starting him in this matchup in shallower leagues. I'd have no issue with dropping him. Uh, you know, Fournette, as you said, he's the clear workhorse here. Got 15 carries and six targets against Houston. He's a solid RB1 uh, and the only safe Jaguars player to start in this game, really. Uh, I feel like uh, this is going to be the same Thursday night game that we've seen play out time and again between these two not great teams. Low scoring, ugly game until either Derrick Henry or Leonard Fournette breaks a big touchdown. I guess give me the home team, Jaguars. Yeah, I'm leaning the same way with Jacksonville here. They were very, very close to beating a divisional foe right there. Um, this is another divisional game, but at home, these things always always drag out. I mean, it's you know probably ten to nine Jacksonville, something like that. Yeah, that, uh, that sounds about right. Heading into Sunday at noon. Um, Cincinnati at Buffalo, the Bengals got run out of their own stadium, 259 yards on the ground in a route, uh, route versus San Francisco. Uh, Andy Dalton was a fine fill-in quarterback, though I do not love him on the road in Buffalo here. Mixon wasn't healthy, but should be a fine running back, too, after after getting another week to heal. John Ross and Tyler Boyd each had 100-plus yard games here, including a 66-yard touchdown to Ross right at the end of the game. I'd fade them back to the flex this week, as I expect this defense to be very stout at home. Uh, Tyler Eifert had a touchdown with only three catches. Not an exciting player at this point in his career, and Uzma was kept off the stat sheet. No, I I don't really love any Bengals player in this matchup. Uh, The Bills were able to harass Eli Manning all day long, and even though some of that is just Eli being Eli, uh, this Buffalo defense is very good. Dalton uh, could still be a serviceable streamer here, but I'd probably avoid him as nothing more than just a mid-range QB2. Um, not sure how much the ankle injury contributed to Mixon struggling to run the ball against the Niners, but he'll be a boomer bust running back too in this one. Uh, you know, Barkley was able to break a couple big ones, but we'll see if uh, Mixon can repeat that. The strength of the Bills' defense, though, is more against the pass than the run, so we could see Mixon be productive even in what I think would probably be a loss for Cincinnati. Um, And then John Ross, just another big day against the Niners, but I I don't expect a a lot of big plays against Tredavious White and company here. I would actually avoid him just a wide receiver four for me this week despite the two big weeks back-to-back. Um, I do still like Tyler Boyd as a mid-range flex play. Uh, you know, he's got that PPR consistency as that uh, move-the-chains kind of guy. Uh, Eifert, as you said, um, scored a touchdown, but I would not count on that kind of production. Uh, both Uzoma and Eifert are just still desperation tight end twos at this point. The Bills handled whatever the Giants had to offer very well. Uh, one touchdown passing, one touchdown rushing for Josh Allen, who is one of the most fun players to watch in a game, like I always say, for as long as he's healthy. Uh, Frank Gore led the team, 19 carries, 68 yards, and a touchdown with the rookie Devin Singletary leaving with a hamstring issue after six carries, 57 yards, and a touchdown looking very fast, very electric. Uh, if he is out this week, look for TJ Yeldon to split the work with Frank Gore, keeping him limited to a touchdown upside running back three. 
Uh, John Brown followed his big week one up with seven of eight for 72. A fine day for a wide receiver three right there. Uh, Cole Beasley could be in for some more PPR work this week against the bad Cincinnati defense. Uh, actually, Gore may be a decent shot at running back two production against this Cincinnati team if Singletary is limited at all. They uh, they just allowed a billion yards against the rush, and you know they're going to use Frank Gore a lot. Uh, yeah, I like Frank Gore quite a bit. Uh, you know, seventy four year old Frank Gore out here uh, definitely <laughs> definitely has RB two upside. Uh, as you said, a Bengals defense that allowed two hundred fifty yards and two touchdowns on the ground to the Niners. Um, he's a priority waiver ad for a short-term running back help uh, if you need help at that position. Um, as you said, Beasley, I have him as an okay wide receiver four on PPR if you're desperate, but I think there are probably better options out there. Um, John Brown's the guy that you want in Buffalo. He remains a high-end wide receiver three. He's gotten weekly wide receiver one upside. Um, I believe he's a top three wide receiver so far on the season, so... Um, and then Josh Allen, of course, we mentioned him last week on our waiver ads section as a streaming option. Uh, you know, he didn't do a whole lot in the air against the Giants, but he limited the turnovers, uh, which was really all he needed to to stop that negative scoring in addition to his rushing production. Um, that made him a great stream, and if you picked him up last week, you can hold on to him against this terrible Bengals defense that looked completely lost against the 49ers. I will take Buffalo at home here. Yeah, I'll take Buffalo at home here as well in a game that I don't really think should be that close. I think this is a pretty decent survivor pick for this week. Um, yeah, and I, I think Buffalo has a decent chance. They're looking good. Uh, there's a lot of injuries in the AFC right now. Uh, you know, I could see them being a wild card playoff team. Yeah, for right now. Um, I mean, you know you're going to chalk up two losses for sure, but you know, if they go 14-2... and two, yeah, and they they could even maybe steal one against the Patriots. We've seen that before. No, don't go crazy. Come on, this is this isn't even the Patriots. They're not even a football team right now. They're they're a video game. They're just that's a Madden team. That's that's a game that can't <laughs> the, be beaten. Uh, the all star, the Canton All Stars team that some some people that's, play as. That's exactly what it is. It's it's disgusting. Oh well, I digress. Miami at Dallas. Uh, well. Things got really ugly for the Dolphins against uh, the Patriots. I would hold on to Drake. He might get traded. Who knows? Uh, consider dropping Kalen Balage, Balage right now. Even if Drake gets traded, doesn't get traded, I can't see starting a Miami running back. Um, they're they're not useful right now. Keep an eye on Preston Williams, though. They will need to keep throwing and throwing and throwing. Uh, Devontae Parker, despite seven targets, could not convert a one to a catch. Uh, this team's just awful. But the disaster is pretty fun to watch. I want, you know, maybe I'm mistaken. I thought it was illegal to kill dolphins for fun. Oh my god. <laughs> did did that change? It must have, but uh I'm I mean, what's what's it's what's terrible. there to say here? Uh, maybe Kenyon Drake or Preston Williams if you're desperate. I you know, just uh, what they're just desperation flex plays even still. Um I guess the only thing to really note here uh, are the reports that Miami might be looking to trade Kenyon Drake? Uh, who knows if it'll actually happen, and then who knows where he would actually go? But at the same oh time, uh, you know there there aren't a ton of great situations out there. But we saw with Lashawn McCoy reuniting with Andy Reid in Kansas City, um, a lot of situations in the backfield can change quickly. So, you know, it's a risk reward if you want to try and trade for Kenyon Drake. What are your thoughts? I, I wouldn't pay too much for him. 
you know, because there's no guarantee he goes anywhere good. And even if he does, we see how Miami running backs turn out, even on the best of teams. We're watching Damian Williams two games so far this year. Yeah, I think, honestly, I would rather have Frank Gore the next couple games. I think, oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Uh, Dallas gets their shot at Miami this week to see if they can beat the Patriots uh, record of points. There should be plenty of production to go around here. Dak, Zeke and Cooper are auto starts. Be mindful, though, uh, Cooper may be blanketed by Xavier Howard. He may shake open for a few plays, though, since a lot of defense is predicated on the support of all 11 defenders. And Xavier Howard has nobody helping him out there. That's why the numbers are looking a little bit better. He's getting no safety help. It's it's very ugly. Uh, Michael Gallup led the team in targets this past week, but just had some sort of cleanup procedure on his knee. He is out. Two to four weeks at the very least. He could see, uh, So we could see an uptick in Randall Cobb's targets with a good shot to score there. I, I like him as a deep shot this week against Miami. Um, Jason Wynn has a good chance as any to add another touchdown this week as well, which would give him the hat trip, keep, uh, keep his streak alive. Yeah, this uh, Dallas offense has been firing on all cylinders. Uh, this is a matchup for every single team to exploit this year facing Miami. Uh, Prescott I have as a top five QB. Zeke is the number one running back this week. Um, Cooper's a high-end wide receiver one, maybe even a uh, – or excuse me, high-end wide receiver two, but maybe even in wide receiver one territory here. Uh, and as you said, with Gallup out two to four weeks with that meniscus cleanup, um, if, if you're desperate in deeper leagues, uh, Cobb and also Devin Smith um, are interesting. Both I have as boomer bust wide receiver fours could get some targets if the Cowboys go up three scores or something after the first half. They are favored by 20 plus points. Uh, you know, and heck, uh, as you said, Prescott keeps finding Witten in the red zone. He's a high end tight end to this week, a little bit touchdown dependent, but uh, if there's one team I would think uh, he would score touchdowns against, it would be Miami. So. You could do worse than roll the dice on him in, in a dream matchup here. Uh, give me the Cowboys. I will take the Cowboys. Keep it simple. Denver at Green Bay. Denver lost a close one to the Bears with that last-second field goal from Eddie Pinero. The Bears' defense is great, but the Packers' defense is going to be very tough for Denver as well. Uh, the only player I'd remotely consider here is Emmanuel Sanders, who got another 13 targets from Joe Flacco. He's about as close to as solid of a uh, wide receiver, too, as you can get right now. Sutton may have a solid day, Cortland Sutton, but I would avoid him for now. Keep Sutton, Lindsey, and uh, uh, Royce Freeman on your bench. I wouldn't drop them just yet. Better days may be ahead as this team moves forward. Yeah, I I wouldn't necessarily drop Freeman or Lindsey, but both are just low-end flex plays here uh, against a pretty good Green Bay defense. They've shown well in the first couple weeks, even though they've been playing against iffy offenses. But the the main issue with Freeman and Lindsey is if you own one of these guys— Theo Riddick's going to come back at some point. Uh, right now, it's a 50-50 split between the two, but what happens when he comes back? It's going to be an even messier committee. I just don't see a ton of upside or predictability for any of these guys week to week. Uh, you know, if anything, I would maybe, if you own Lindsey, try and trade him to the Freeman owner for uh, if you need wide receiver <laughs> help or something, you know? Sure. Um, and, you know, preseason, uh, there, I, I'm pretty sure there were two very split camps on Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, unfortunately, I was in the camp that said there's no way, you know, he's going to come back to 100% from a torn Achilles at his age, but he looks electric out there. I'll, I'll happily admit that I was wrong. Uh, you know, I'm rooting for him. I, I love to see players come back from injuries. I just didn't think it was possible, but 
He's a, he's a weekly wide receiver too with upside. And uh, as you said, Cortland Sutton, still uh, just a boomer bust wide receiver three play here, but um, certainly could have a few big plays. Yes, yeah, something. So there was something in the notes about him in the preseason where he had some different procedure called some like tightrope procedure. I, it, I don't know anything about this. I just know that it was a different type of procedure, though. So, I mean, maybe, you know, that would have saved. Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, Arian Foster's career or something. I don't know. Yeah. You know, this would have been great information to tell me like two months ago. Yeah, but I don't know what it even meant. I, I I figured it meant that he had more like had had it even worse than they thought it was. But apparently, it means that he's Superman. Ah, oh, that you know that would have been great to know. But all right, well, I guess thank you. Two months, uh, you know, behind, but that's all right. Well, when you get your DeLorean in the mail, you can uh, grab your almanac and head back. You know, take it up to eighty-eight degrees or eighty-eight. <laughs> all right, we're moving on to Green Bay. Green Bay packed twenty-one point. Oh, I wonder if that's how they got their name. They pack on point. I don't know. Green Bay packed on 21 points. The Vikings starting quickly, but managing the game in the second half. Uh, Aaron Rodgers will be fine against the Denver defense. Aaron Jones had a great game against Minnesota. 23 carries, 116 yards, and a touchdown with four catches on six targets, 34 yards in the air. Jamal Williams will always be there to annoy Aaron Jones' owners, but he will not vulture too much value. Jones is a solid running back, too, this week. Um, and heading forward, he may be creeping into that running back one territory. Devontae Adams is a must start with another seven catch, 100 yard day. And I think I'd avoid Mark, uh, uh, MVS. I can never think of his name in the moment. Marquez Valdez Scantling. Uh, Ellison may have a better matchup inside this week from the slot, but I am not starting either just yet, anyways, until their till their uh, till their roles really play themselves out. They've said what they're going to do, but I, I, it doesn't seem to follow. Yeah, Allison certainly got more involved in week two, but then he lost the fumble. So I, I don't know. He's he's always been so, somewhat of an inconsistent player, even going back to his days at Illinois. Um, yep. and, and I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be just fine against the Denver defense. Uh, and I say this as someone who owns both Aaron Rodgers and Kyler Murray in a league. I think I'm going to roll mm. with Murray. Um, mm. you know, Rogers has been okay in real football. He's gotten wins for his team. Uh, in fantasy, he scored 13 points and 14 points the first two weeks. Certainly not what you want to see. Um, I, I just don't see a whole lot of upside here. I, I know that Denver's, you know, they've shown some cracks, but at the same time, uh, I think they're still getting used to LaFleur's new offense or something, but I just don't see a ton of fantasy upside starting Rodgers, especially when Vic Fangio has been able to pretty successfully shut him down before. Um, I still have Rodgers as a low-end QB1 because Breeze and Roethlisberger are both out, so that bumps him up a few spots on the rankings. But I don't know. You have him as a fantasy QB1, like a top 10, top 12 guy? Absolutely. Uh, Well, okay, I guess who do you have in front of him? Because, uh, I mean, Mahomes, Prescott, and Jackson, of course, right? Sure. So that that's... I think your question should be who do I have behind him? Sure. Okay. Um. Well, let's just go with ahead of him for now because okay. that's how I started. So, uh, Tom Brady. Okay. Uh, Sean Watson. Um. Okay. So that's five already in front of him, right? Tom Brady. Right. Tom Brady. Uh, Carson Wentz. No, not not right now. I'm oh. worried about Wentz. Okay. Russell Wilson. He's always an iffy one, but but no, I have Rodgers ahead of Wilson. All right. Um, Jared Goff. 
No, not this week. Matt Ryan? Uh, that's that's where we start to get to that plus-minus territory. I think Ryan could have a nice big week here, but I, I still have Rodgers ahead of him. Um, Josh Allen? No. You want to make a bet? I think Josh Allen easily outscores Rodgers this week. It's not a question of him outscoring Rodgers. It's a question of the risk, the inherent risk with Josh Allen. And I think Josh Allen, granted, we've seen Rodgers get hurt, but I think Josh Allen's season may end on any given single play out there. That's the only reason that I that I haven't picked him up in another league just yet. I'm just too fearful of how he plays. Don't get me wrong. I love him. And if he stays healthy throughout this whole game, he will outscore Rodgers. You, you mean like how how rushing quarterback Drew Brees got hurt or rushing quarterback Ben Roethlisberger got hurt. Okay. They happen a lot more often. <laughs> and than how than Trevor I, Simeon. I, I, I get your point. Yes. I understand your point. Yeah. Trevor Simeon's season might be done. That does not look good. Well, hmm. All right. I, I didn't know that his season ever got to a start. Um, well, anyway, my point is I think there are at least eight or nine options in front of me that I would start over Rogers um kyler murray's been lighting it on fire i'll, I'll we'll get to the cardinals in just a little i don't bit. know about that all right well we'll get there we'll get we'll there, get but, to arizona uh, you know lighting I, it on fire well yeah if you gave me a football and 900 times to throw it in one game i'd probably look like i was lighting something on fire too but isn't that the point all right we'll get to we'll get the cardinals uh in in due time but um the running backs here even though jamal williams he got a touchdown on the screen pass aaron jones is clearly the lead back dominated the carries 23 to 9 um and he got six targets in the passing game versus four for williams i, I still like jones as a low-end rb2 in this tough matchup but certainly uh, i wouldn't expect a ton of upside um williams just a boomer bust flex play and probably more bust this week and then, i think i think you like Devonte adams uh, a little bit more than i do I, I know he showed well against xavier rhodes but rhodes has never been able to contain him um i think chris harris uh you know He's got a skill set that's going to allow him to match up against Adams much better than he did, or much better than Xavier Rhodes did. Um, you know, we really saw Allen Robinson limited. Uh, I just he's a wide receiver too, high end wide receiver too for me. I just don't love it here. Um, and then Jimmy Graham didn't get a single target against Minnesota. Go figure. Uh, but he might be the best matchup with Denver blanketing the wide receivers. We saw all three of Chicago's tight ends get involved in the offense. So. With Allen Robinson kind of shut down, so I still do like Graham as a mid-range tight end too. He has some upside uh, if those checkdown targets do go his way. Um, and I think I'll take Green Bay at home in another defensive battle here. I, I just think Rodgers is going to do a little bit more than Flacco. Oh, I think Green Bay wins by at least a touchdown and a half. Okay, yeah. Either way, I I, I will also take them. All right. Atlanta at Indianapolis. Uh, Ryan had a tough day, but did manage 300 yards, three touchdowns, despite three interceptions. I think it's time to start worrying if you're not worrying already on Devontae Freeman. Ito Smith is not the threat here. Freeman's own effectiveness is a major threat, though. Uh, all that said, he has running back two upside this week against the Colts because of the specific matchup here. They consistently allow multiple receptions to running backs and underneath routes as part of their scheme design, and he's talented enough to break one of those loose. Julio is, of course, a solid wide receiver one, adding two touchdowns on 10 targets here. And Calvin Ridley looks like he has firmly established himself over Mo Sanu finally as the wide uh, as the the wide receiver two on the team and a wide receiver two slash three this week. 
Yeah, I don't. I think this will be a tough matchup for Atlanta, actually. Uh, you know, it was a long night for Matt Ryan. He was constantly under pressure from Philadelphia's defensive line, and it's going to be another long day for him with the Colts. Uh, they're a defense that's tied for second in the sacks right in sacks right now through two games. They've got eight sacks. Um, they've got a pretty good secondary as well, so I would actually fade Ryan as, as a low-end QB1, uh, though I would still start him over Aaron Rodgers. Um, he really needed that last screen pass on that blitz uh, to Julio for the long touchdown to kind of salvage his night against the Eagles, and I would not count on that happening again on the road here against the Colts. Uh, Freeman, to your point, isn't a terrible start. Uh, they have been susceptible to the rushing attack, but uh, I think the bigger issue, uh, you said it was his ineffectiveness. I think it is Ito Smith. He is getting a, a more of a workload, uh, workload split. I think part of Freeman's effectiveness has always been, you know, from his ability to wear down the defense. And, you know, he's not getting enough run. He, he got 11 carries, but Smith ran with more bursts on his four carries. The target share was an equal split. Uh, I think it's time to downgrade him a little bit. I've got him as a low-end running back, too, here with touchdown upside. Um, this Falcons offensive line is just limiting them all in fantasy. Uh, you know, of course, you can't really limit Julio. Still a wide receiver one for me here. And as you said, Ridley seems to have great chemistry now with Ryan. I've got him as a mid-range wide receiver three. Uh, Sanu and Hooper are just the secondary guys here. Uh, would not rely on either of them. Jacoby Brissett continues to be reasonably decent, actually, with 145 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception versus a good Tennessee defense. And I think he's a sneaky stream at home here versus Atlanta. Marlon Mack was bottled up but remained on the field for most of the close game here, 20 carries, 51 yards, despite Jordan Wilkins ripping off a big 50-yard carry. Mack, Mack was kept for all leverage downs here, and despite, uh, despite you know, Jordan getting that, or Wilkins getting that nice big carry, and Mack, you know, not doing much today, the fact that they stayed committed to him really showed me a lot, really gave me a bigger belief in Marlon Mack than what I had before. Uh, T.Y. Hilton is an upside wide receiver, too, versus Atlanta this week, but don't be surprised if he does not catch a touchdown three weeks in a row. He's never been a high-volume touchdown receiver. Uh, the rest of the pass catchers are pretty low volume with touchdown upside due to the offensive scheming here, but I would avoid them here other than keeping an eye on the progress of rookie Paris Campbell. Uh, maybe, you know, click your waiver wire or I mean your uh, your watch list button just to make sure that you're keeping an eye on that guy. Yeah, you know, I've been a fan of Marlon Mack all preseason. Uh, he's been a workhorse. Uh, he's been getting all the carries on the ground, uh, been involved as a receiver as well, and even though it was a rough game against the Titans, I still like him as a high-end running back too here. Um, I agree that Brissett's been earning his new contract, and I still like Hilton as well, but I think uh, you're sleeping a little bit on Eric Ebron. Uh, I've always liked him more um, than the general public this preseason. Uh, I had him as a you know tight end 8, tight end 9 in my rankings preseason. Even though he's touchdown dependent, uh, he was a guy that Luck looked to a lot in the red zone, and it seems like Brissett is looking his way quite a bit as well. Um, if you'll recall, week one, he had a touchdown that uh, he just barely stepped out of bounds on. So um, certainly it could have been two good weeks for him in a row, but uh, I like him again this week as a high-end tight end too. Uh, as you said, the rookie Paris Campbell scored his first touchdown, uh, but not involved yet to be a weekly starter. Uh, as you said, though, click the, clicking that little flag in deeper leagues, maybe, uh, especially given his speed to break a long touchdown in any given play. I think it's a tough call here, but uh, again, I'll lean the home team, the Colts. 
Yeah, this is the, between this and the first game. This is the tougher call because this this team will actually probably score some points here. I think I'll go with Indianapolis as well, though. Uh, Baltimore, Kansas City. The Ravens have been surging offensively. Kansas City doesn't have the defense to stop that. Lamar Jackson has top five quarterback upside again in what should be a very high-scoring game here. Mark Ingram has solid upside as a running back, too, assuming his health here. Gus Edwards only saw three carries versus Arizona. Justice Hill, just one carry. Neither are really ownable at this point, which honestly is surprising me a bit. And all of Willie Sneed's targets from last year have been fully absorbed by Mark Mandrews. Eight catches, nine targets, 112 yards, and a touchdown here with big, big time weekly upside. Uh, Hollywood Brown has been playing with his hair on fire. He should be thrilled. Patrick Peterson will not be playing this game here. Huge flex upside for him here. 12 targets his last game. And his uh, usage, his routes run went up tremendously from that first week. Uh, he's looking healthy. He's looking really good. Uh, I've gotten even higher than that. Uh, Marquise Brown this week, I've got a, as a mid to high end wide receiver too. Um, he's getting peppered with targets. Uh, Lamar Jackson's been on point with his throws. As you said, the, the Kansas City secondary is still struggling. I, I could see this as you know the most exciting game of the week. Very high scoring, back and forth. Uh, you know, just both both their defenses are struggling, and I've got Jackson as my number two fantasy quarterback behind only Mahomes this week. Um, sure. And you, and you mentioned Gus Edwards. I do think he could be worth owning in deeper leagues. We'll talk about him a little bit on the waiver wire section later, along with a few other handcuff running backs. Um, you know, we saw during the game against the Cardinals, uh, Mark Ingram on the sidelines just writhing in pain on the ground. Uh, luckily, it seemed like it was just a momentary big hit, but... Uh, you know, if if Ingram were to go down, we saw Gus Edwards play really well last year at, towards the end of the season. Uh, he was the guy for them at one point, and he could be again if Ingram were to miss time. So someone to keep an eye on, not necessarily add in shallower leagues, but uh, definitely high, high upside if Ingram were to miss time. Yeah, he could, but I, I'd rather just pay for him, you know, after the waiver wires close. Um, as for Kansas City, well, Patrick Mahomes is officially the GOAT. Just kidding. He's only three years in, but sort of not kidding. Maybe actually this he's scary. Um, he might just show us that he can throw 50 touchdowns every year of his career. He seems matchup proof as this point at this point, though Baltimore will be a bit of a test with a solid secondary the running backs are hobbled right now. Uh, fire up whoever's healthy as a running back too, but the real value is in these little known backup wide receivers. Demarcus Robinson led the team six of six for 172 yards and two touchdowns. McCole Hardman, obviously known to Dynasty and more more serious fantasy players, but I'm certain that many, many normal people out there have never heard the name McCole Hardman. He is a must-own player right now. He could have had an additional 72 yards and another touchdown that was called back. And Sammy Watkins is a must-start player right now, despite not attending the touchdown party with the rest of his team. Still had 50 yards, 8 catches, uh, 13 targets. Could have done a little more. We would have liked to seen a little more. There's tons of immense upside in this in this offense, but, you know, Maybe this coming week. Uh, who who's this Mikkel Hardman? He sounds kind of familiar. I, I feel like I've heard his name before somewhere. Okay, Mung. We know he's your favorite player <laughs> in the history of the NFL. Um, in all seriousness, though, I I mean, Los, you know how big of a Tom Brady fan I am. I don't disagree that I think Mahomes has the possibility if he plays for long enough to go down in history as the best quarterback in the history of the league. Um, just it, it's I, the potential is there. 
He's making amazing reads, amazing throws that many other quarterbacks could not make. Uh, not much to say here. He's he's the number one quarterback in fantasy every single week until until we see reason to believe otherwise. Um, as you said, both running backs are a little bit hobbled right now. Uh, Damian Williams left with a knee injury, and then LaShawn McCoy left late with an ankle injury. But uh, it sounds like Andy Reid's not concerned about either one of them. So both should be good low-end running back two starts with high upside and what should be a back-and-forth shootout here. Um, you know, as you said, you know, Baltimore generally has a solid secondary, but with Jimmy Smith out with that knee injury, um, I, I think this is going to be a shootout both ways. Uh, Watkins, despite his, uh, you know, disappointing uh, low-ish stat line, uh, I say low-ish because he had a decent stat line, just not what we've come to expect from Kansas City receivers. So he's a boomer bust wide receiver one. And as you said, both Marcus Robinson and Michael Hardman are huge wide receiver three uh, flex plays with huge upside. Um, Robinson had the big stat line, but as you said, Hardman had that touchdown called back on a hold by LaShawn McCoy. So uh, both are great, great starts. Uh, we'll talk about both of them on the waiver wire section. And of course, Travis Kelsey, the number one tight end as he is most weeks. I think this will be another close, close, exciting game like it was last year when the Ravens visited the Chiefs. But I I don't know how anyone can bet against Mahomes right now. Just give me the Chiefs, man, like 43 to 38, something like that. Yeah, I think I, I have the exact same sort of thing picked right there. Um, they're both, both these teams are, are on fire, but the Chiefs, you know, are a little more used to playing like this. Lamar Jackson is bound to have a hiccup every so often. I think comes this week. It'll be Kansas City. Oakland at Minnesota. I sort of like this Oakland offense. It's easy to project at least. Uh, Car is a low ceiling streamer some weeks. This is not one of those weeks against Minnesota. Josh Jacobs is a running back, too, with a very guaranteed workload. Probably get 100 yards by hooker by crook. Uh, Jalen Richard will take value from him in weeks where they have tough matchups, but should not be rostered and is not startable. Uh, Tyrell Williams is a wide receiver three with upside. Hunter Renfro is the new Cole Beasley. Could have a six to eight point floor from week to week. And Darren Waller is a solid floor tight end one for me every week for now. Uh, I don't see that outlook changing much as the weeks go forward. Yep, uh, I like Waller as well. Um, my only note on Tyrell Williams would be that he scored a touchdown early against the Chiefs, uh, but then he was quiet the rest of the game. He was going in and out uh, with a hip injury. He had to get an injection for the pain tolerance. So I don't know if he's going to be 100%. And even if he is, uh, I could see him... Uh, finding himself facing a lot of uh, Xavier Rhodes this week. And even though Tyrell Williams has proven, proven that he's a legit NFL wide receiver, I don't know that he's quite proven that he has Pro Bowl talent enough to uh, you know, be matchup proof against Rhodes. So I would fade Williams here. Uh, I don't love him as more than just a low-end flex play. And I think the Minnesota defense scares me away from Josh Jacobs a little more than you. Um, still, still a viable running back three or flex start, uh, but he is not in my... Um, top 24 running backs this week. All right. As for the Minnesota side of football, Kirk Cousins belongs firmly on the bench for now until he can string together a better day with fewer turnovers. I think the stats this week were in large part due to the Green Bay defense, though, more so than Kirk Cousins. Um, they are much better than they've been advertised. Dalvin Cook was again great, and it's a weekly running back one for now with another 150 yards on 20 carries and a touchdown plus three catches. The game was close, so rookie Alexander Madison saw much less work than he did the week prior. That's just something that we'll have to come to expect here. Uh, Stephon Diggs 
finally made one catch for a touchdown, and he did have a second touchdown that was called back on a questionable offensive interference call. Adam Thielen put up five catches on eight targets for 75 yards, and I'm keeping these guys both firmly in the wide receiver two tier for now. Mm, I am not. Uh, <laughs> I feel like there's so many good wide receiver options here. Uh, you know, we've got guys like Marquise Brown, John Brown, all these guys who are producing, even John Ross, who I don't like this week. Um, there's just so many options at wide receiver, and I think this could be somewhat similar to the week one game um, where they just got up early on Atlanta and didn't really have to throw. Uh, it's a bad Raiders secondary, of course, so it's burnable. Um, they do have big upside, but again, it's possible that Cousins throws just like 20 passes in this game. So I've got Diggs as a boomer bust wide receiver three. Thielen, I've got a high-end wide receiver three. He's got a little bit of a higher floor in PPR um Kyle Rudolph he's he's been playing on like every snap but he's just not getting targets in the passing game this is a low volume passing attack uh you know that's what they've been wanting to do uh for a couple years now so I think Rudolph can be dropped at this point um I don't hate Kirk Cousins as a streaming option uh you know this is a Raider secondary that can certainly be attacked the only question is volume um of course I I like Cook as a mid-range running back one in a great matchup well, the Vikings should be playing from ahead for most of this game, leading to a lot of carries and work for Cook. Uh, I will take uh, the Vikings defense should pummel Derek Carr here, and uh, I'll take him at home. I will take Minnesota at home as well. The New York Jets at New England uh, tonight. We'll have to see. Well, we saw what Trevor Simeon looked like, and he looks like he's going to be missing some time. Uh, Sam Darnold sitting at home battling Mono. Le'Veon Bell is a clear start this week at New England as your first-round pick, but I'm thinking we're going to need to bench the rest of this team, um, if you can even name anybody else that's left on this team. The only plausible option, really, is Jameson Crowder, um, if whoever's quarterbacking for the rest of this game shows that he has a connection with him, but only in a PPR. Uh, the yardage total should be very limited here. Yeah, and even even for Crowder, um, you know, the Patriots have good linebackers and a secondary with big closing speed. So I just, I don't see anything, uh, you know, I don't see him getting any yards after the catch or anything. Um, like you said, really, it's it's Bell as an upside flex play, maybe a low on running back too, just on volume alone. But yeah, uh, this is a, a team to avoid this week. The Patriots had a field day against Miami, winning 43-0, to uh, trying out their new toy, Antonio Brown, for four catches, eight targets, 56 yards, and a touchdown, and a ton of red zone targets. They gave him every opportunity they could. Um, Edelman saw a dip in his targets with just four, four for 51, and Josh Gordon only caught two catches, uh, only caught two balls on five targets. Overall, a pretty disappointing day for those two, given the points scored in the game. If Brown is playing again this week, though, who knows with the news of his allegations still coming out and the league's handling of them. Uh, if he plays, he's a wide receiver one, and Jordan and Edelman dip down to threes with upside, in my opinion. If he does not play, then they both remain solid wide receiver twos with very good upside. Uh, there's only so mar- many targets to go around on a team that runs the ball as much and as effectively as New England does. Uh, Brady's a quarterback one. James White actually might be the biggest loser of the Brown signing. Only four targets and three carries this week. Very, very limited work for somebody that was uh, looked at as a solid PPR running back, too. Um, We really need to see what this team does against a good team, though. Unfortunately, that 
won't happen this week either. Uh, Sonny Michelle has volume upside as a running back too, possibly one this week. Rex Burkhead's always in there in the mix, but I, I can't start him because I don't, I don't, I don't trust what they're going to do with him. I just don't, even though it looks like they keep leaning on him. Right. And so if you recall earlier, I mentioned that I, I wouldn't shock me if, uh, if the bills stole one from the Patriots this year. And that's only because the big weakness right now for New England is on the offensive line. They lost their starting center, David Andrews. He had blood clots in his lungs preseason. He might be gone the whole season. Um, and even though that wasn't an issue week one against Pittsburgh, uh, their starting left tackle, Isaiah Wynn, left the game week two with a toe injury. Um, if it's turf toe, it could be a few weeks before he's back. And then they they were down their starting right tackle as well. Marcus Cannon was out against the Dolphins with a shoulder injury already. It's possible that this team will be playing the Jets with three of their starting linemen out. Um, you know, this one could still be a big win for the Patriots. And I just think expectations maybe should be tempered a little bit for the offense. Certainly still like Brady as a mid-range quarterback one. Um, Michelle's going to be a boomer bust running back two. And uh, as you said, White might be the biggest loser of the Brown signing, but he and Burkhead are both just flex plays in PPR. Um, and of course, even though there are some concerns with the offensive line, they will... They will do their best to hide it. They're a team that can adapt uh, as as good as any team has ever been able to. So I still like Antonio Brown as a low-end wide receiver one with upside. Edelman I've got as a mid to low-end wide receiver two. And then Gordon's more of a boomer bust uh, wide receiver three play with Brown in town now. Um, real quick, Los, what have you been hearing about Antonio Brown? Because I feel like the overall sentiment in my league's um, is still pretty, uh, you know, they're still pretty depressed. At this point, I don't think he's going to miss any time with suspension. I feel like the league would have done that already if they were going to. Um, my feel is that he's a top 10 wide receiver for the rest of the season. Um, I know I texted you over the weekend that I actually traded Tyreek Hill for Antonio Brown in a league. Uh, what are your thoughts on Brown, though? So I think the league still hasn't talked to the, um, like, Goodell and the league have not yet talked to yeah, the, Brittany uh, Taylor, the trainer. The what's the word? Yeah, the yeah, the I can't think of the word for this. But I mean, how how could they make any ruling without talking to the source first? Um, and then I think something will come out swiftly from there. Uh, it's a tough spot that the league's in right now um, with a lot of these athletes, you know, doing fairly deplorable things, and then. But then, it's it's just a it's a society thing right now. We just we we have to just see how it how it plays out. That's really all we can do. Yeah, um, but I guess if if you think if if it was a fifty fifty call, do you think he misses any games due to suspension? Yes, I do. Okay, um, I'm on the other side here. Uh, I would trade for him if possible by low. Um, but either way, uh, with or without Brown, I'm taking the Patriots at home here. All right, we'll take the Patriots, whether they had Brady starting, whether they had Brown starting, whether they had James White suiting up at quarterback. I don't think it makes a darn bit of difference. <laughs> Detroit at Philadelphia. Detroit stole one from the Chargers at home and now run into the Eagles. Carry on Johnson again saw only 12 carries, 41 yards, supplemented with two catches, three targets, 47 yards. Still not the offensive percentage we'd like to see with Ty Johnson, J.D. McKissick, and C.J. Anderson all inexplicably. I'm asking the same 12 carries as Kerryon Johnson. 
This should be a big week for Lions receivers as Philadelphia continues to struggle in the secondary. Kenny Galladay is a mid-range wide receiver, too, with potential for a very nice day. And Marvin Jones has huge deep ball potential as a wide receiver three. He could be a weak winner here uh, this week, I think. He just missed on one big play this past week and uh, could have looked a lot better stat line than he had. TJ Hawkinson saw just one catch, three targets, seven yards. Hey, it's not my fault you decided to rely on a rookie tight end. We always say to temper your expectations. Yeah, um, you know, we discussed Hawkinson on last week's show. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, Ricky tight ends, man. Uh, I, yep. I've, got, I've got nothing here. You've, got, you've covered just about everything on the lines. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to add. All, I, all I'm going to say is carry-on's a, a boomer bust flex play. He's certainly showing his skills. Uh, he could score a touchdown here, but at the same time, the Eagles' defensive line and run defense, quite good, so... Uh, yeah, let's move on to the Philadelphia side of this game. Wentz had a tough evening, losing his best two outside weapons early on. We will need to see his and their status heading into the game. Um, Slay will probably cover a little bit of both, depending on how the lineup is. And I'd keep them both in mind uh, in the flex conversation for now. We all know Elshon's storied injury history with the hamstrings and the and the muscle, t- muscle pulls. If they aren't playing, that leaves Nelson Aguilar alone with Zach Ertz for all those catches. And Aguilar is talented in his own right. This could be a week when we start to see Miles Sanders take over, but I'm not starting him just yet if I can help it. Too much committee still for my for my taste. Yeah, and, um, you know, if, uh, if both uh, Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson miss this game, um, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, uh, the rookie, showed really well in the preseason, um, played just about every single snap against the Falcons. Uh, he would be... On the flex radar, uh, if both of these guys were to miss time, um, we it doesn't sound like either the calf injury for Jeffrey or the, the groin issue for Deshaun Jackson is too severe, but definitely something to monitor with the Eagles practice reports this week. Um, you know, if Jackson plays, he goes right back into being that boomer bust wide receiver too. Um, even though he might see some coverage from Darius Slay, I'm not too worried about that. And then uh, Jeffrey and Aguilar would both be flex plays. But as you said, if these guys are out, Aguilar would be a high-end wide receiver three on volume alone. He had that easy walk-in touchdown against the Falcons, but uh, supposedly lost the ball in the lights. So a bad drop there. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, there's a lot of injuries for the Eagles, but uh, they almost beat Atlanta despite all that on the road. Uh I think with another week to prepare, maybe one or more of these guys gets healthy. Um, I'll I'll take the Eagles at home. Yeah, I'll take the Eagles at home. Detroit stinks. Kicking off the Sunday afternoon games, Carolina at Arizona. Carolina lost to the Bucks, but we get they get a perfect get right matchup against this defense. Now they get a shot at if Cam cannot put up quarterback one numbers this week, then it's officially time to abandon ship on him. He's a risky play. He isn't running. He is not connecting deep. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had a down day, but should shred this run defense in Arizona. Moore, Samuel, and Olsen each had a fine day with 14, 13, and 9 targets apiece and should do well in this matchup. Again, if any of these people do not do well, it's time to just cut bait on Cam and run. Uh, Arizona has shown they can put up some points. It should be better at home. So I like the offensive pieces of Carolina this week. Yeah, I, I do think that it's a little premature to drop him just yet, uh, out, you know, outside of very shallow leagues. But he does look awful. He's never been the most accurate passer, but a lot of his fantasy production has always been reliant on his rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. 
Um, and it just seems like either he's not healthy enough to want to run or Rivera and the coaching staff really just hammered it into him that they don't want him to. But regardless, uh, you know, this should be a great matchup against Arizona's depleted secondary. Uh, you know, Newton's high-end QB2, a lot of upside here. Uh, but again, uh, he's going to be a risky start just because we haven't seen him really been able to make those throws. And then for Christian McCaffrey, come on, despite that awful stat line on Thursday Night Football, he played every single snap again. Uh, he was just needed to help block against Tampa Bay's pass rush here. Um, the Cardinals don't have a pass rush, so uh, they will be able to use McCaffrey in the running game, in the passing game as a receiver. I expect a big bounce back game here. Still a top five running back in fantasy this week. Um, and even though with his accuracy problems, uh, Newton's doing enough to keep his receivers fantasy relevant. A great matchup for DJ Moore and Samuel. Um, I've got Moore as a low-end wide receiver two. Samuel is a high-end wide receiver three. And I love Greg Olson as a mid-range tight end one with huge upside. We've already seen TJ Hawkinson and Mark Andrews have weak winning performances against this Cardinals secondary. Hello, Greg Olson. Agreed. Uh, this air raid is a work in pro progress, but the pressure's off this team. Nobody expected a ton from Arizona in we year one after being the worst team in the league last year. So they should have this full season to work out the kinks. Tyler has a shot at putting up quarterback one level numbers weekly, and uh, David Johnson has weekly back end running back one upside. Carolina has a stout cornerback that typically slams the door on top outside offensive weapons, which is great for Arizona because their top two wide receivers play in the slot. This week, Larry went 5 of 11 for 104 to Kirk 6 of 8 for 114. I don't think Bradbury comes into the slot to stop them, so I think the targets will continue to fly their way as Murray makes his bid to lead the league in pass attempts because he's, he's getting there. Yeah, and I, I kind of previewed this a little bit before. I, it's not showing up on the box score just yet, but Kyler Murray looks comfortable in this offense. Um, as you said, uh, you could probably put up great stats if you threw 90 times a game, but that's that's the <laughs> point, right? I mean, in fantasy, volume matters, and uh, who knows what they could actually do if they had a real offensive line here. Um, I like Murray as a high-end QB2, low-end QB1. Uh, he's right. Like I said, he's right in the same range as Aaron Rodgers, And I think I'm probably going to start him over Rogers this week in a league. Uh, David Johnson, he gave us a little bit of a scare, uh, missed a few plays with a wrist injury. Uh, as you recall, I think it was two years ago, he missed the mm -hmm. majority of the season with a broken wrist. Um, yep. but he did come back into this game, sigh of relief from all the Johnson owners. But, uh, this is a reason to, uh, keep Chase Edmonds on the back of your mind or maybe on the back of your bench. Uh, if you own Johnson, depending on how deep your rosters are, uh, as of right now, Johnson, uh, when healthy, still a low end RB one. And, uh, by the way, uh, Murray had a, uh, he could have had an even better fantasy day. Christian Kirk got tackled, uh, just outside the goal line. Um, Fitzgerald I have as a wide receiver too. Now, um, he's clearly the number one guy on this team going to get a ton of targets every week. Uh, but I like Christian Kirk quite a bit as well. He's a high upside wide receiver three in PPR. Um, this Cardinals offense, uh, you know, the, the number of plays that they're running, uh, it wouldn't shock me at all if, if they just wear down Cam Newton and the, the Panthers defense. But um, at the end of the day, this Cardinals defense is still a liability. So I think maybe this is a get right game for Cam and I'll lean the Panthers by a little tiny margin on the road. Yeah, I will too. If if Carolina can't win this game, then Cam's just done. He's finished. New York at Tampa Bay. 
Uh, Saquon Barkley, 18 carries, 107 yards and a touchdown, 3 for 28 receiving. Evan Ingram, 6 of 8 for 48. They are both solid ones of their position in PPR. Other than that, it's too depressing to watch this team. Please don't make me do it. Yeah, uh, the only thing I'll add is that Sterling Shepard uh, could be a decent flex option in PPR as well if he's able to return uh, from that concussion from week one, which he should be able to. But yeah, the Giants, uh, they, they benched Eli last year and then kind of went back on their decision. But uh, who knows how much longer they're going to run this offense into the ground. But let, let's move on to the Tampa Bay side here. The Buccaneers pulled out a win behind some mediocre offense. I guess that's what happens when you don't turn the ball over. Uh, They get a friendly matchup here, but I'm not excited about putting Winston in any lineups yet. Mike Evans was held to 4 of 8 for 61 to Chris Godwin's 8 of 9, 121 yards and a touchdown. An exciting line for an exciting young player. But the cornerback matchup is much easier for Mike Evans here. Start them both with confidence. Uh, Barber led the backfield after a lot of talk of Ronald Jones taking over and even Bruce Arians saying that Ronald Jones was going to get more carries. Uh, This backfield is disgusting, and I want no part of it. But by season's end, Ronald Jones II will be the leader of this backfield. OJ, whether that's startable in fantasy or not, you know, that, that remains to be seen, but Jones will take over. O.J. Howard will improve. Right now he's a low-end tight end one, putting up just terrible numbers, but that can't last forever either. Uh, whew. we're, uh, we're way far, well, excuse me, way far apart on a couple of these guys. Um, hmm. I, I wouldn't drop OJ Howard, but I don't know that you could start him as a tight end one right now. Um, you know, he's obviously he has the upside. He's a dynamic playmaker when he's actually used as a receiver, but, um, certainly the giants don't really have a pass rush. They're one, they're probably a bottom five defense right now, but so maybe Howard won't block as much this week and he'll actually run some routes, but, I don't know that, uh, you know, depending on your options, uh, I don't know that he's he's a safe tight end one start. Uh, we'll put it at that. Um, and then Peyton Barber looks pretty good. Uh, you know, Ronald Jones uh, did not look good on, on some of his carries, uh, missed some holes. Uh, I think he's the work. I think Barber is the workhorse until we see otherwise. He's a boomer bust flex op flex option for me. I don't know that Jones will be the lead back by the end of this. Wait, season. what's what's the boom? Where's what? the boom in 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 forty uh, you know twenty five carries for thirty yards? Well, I mean, against the Giants, I think there's upside here if Tampa Bay's leading. You don't think yeah, so? I mean, they'll lean on him, but the, he will not find any lineups fantasy daily season or otherwise <laughs> that I ever own. All right, we'll see. I, I think Peyton Barber could have another decent game here. Um, like I said, I, I think this is. I think a lot of Ronald Jones owners are just very hopeful still, but uh, if you recall, Bruce Arians is the same guy that said he was going to give Andre Ellington touches until he puked back in uh, his Arizona days. Um, I don't know that anyone's startable right now outside of Barber. Uh, you know, certainly in deeper leagues, you're holding on to Jones and Ogun Bowale, but uh, just, yeah, I think Bar- Barber's the guy until he, until he clearly fails or looks really bad or gets hurt. Um and as you said, even though Evans has had a terrible start, he had the flu game week one, then he had tough coverage against James Bradbury in Carolina, who Evans has always struggled against. So I think lost in the box score, too, was the fact that Winston just missed Evans on a corner route, and if he catches that touchdown, we wouldn't be panicking much about Evans. I still have Evans ranked yep. a few spots above Godwin. Uh, I have him as a high-end wide receiver, too, but also Godwin is a mid-range wide receiver, too, against this joke of a Giants pass rush. 
Um, Janoris Jenkins, I think, uh, after the game against the Bills said that, you know, nobody can cover somebody for 10 seconds, which is basically him calling out their defensive line. And this this team is just going down the tube. And, oh, I, <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but I think Winston might still be a streaming QB2 play. I, I don't know that yeah. you can trust him, but, you know, on paper he's got a great matchup, so I don't know. Uh, I, and I hate saying this, but I, I think I'm taking the Bucks at home. Yeah, I think I'm doing the same thing, but we may end up both lose this, losing this one. Yeah, uh, I mean, Houston, all it takes is one, a few big runs from Barkley, right? Yeah, it's true. You give him the ball 45 times, he'll run for four touchdowns, you yeah. figure, right? Yeah. Houston at the L.A. Chargers. The Texans were severely limited by the Tennessee defense and Laramie Tunsil being less than 100%. They could have trouble here on the road against the Chargers defense as well. I wouldn't sit your studs though here. Hopkins can rip off a quarter or uh, Watson can rip off a quarterback one week at any time. Hopkins will see some tough coverage here, but you definitely don't have two better wide receivers on your team. And I really don't want to take any part of this backfield here. Duke Johnson is the clear number two in the eyes of this staff here. And Carlos Hyde excites me just about as much as Peyton Barber does. The wide receivers are messy from two through four with a lot of talent, but unclear roles here. Kiki Cutie continues to get healthier here, but I would wait for him to come back um, a little stronger, show you a little more here. Fuller has some definite flex side up in this game. Um, and Kenny Stills, he muddies the situation too. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> time is a flat circle, right? Uh, you yep. know, when they were in Cleveland, uh, Carlos Hyde was getting used over Duke Johnson and everyone was like, why? And, uh, here we are. Um, yep. Hyde is the better fantasy starter right now, unless we see Johnson get more work, even in PPR. Um, like you said, you're not benching Deandre Hopkins. Come on. But, uh, certainly Houston struggles against the Jaguars pass rush reminded us that Jacksonville is actually still a pretty good defense when they're not facing the reigning MVP, Patrick Mahomes. Um, yeah, Tunsil left the game with an ankle injury, but sounds like he should be good to go for week three. So even though Watson was a disappointing start against the Jaguars, still a mid range QB one, uh, put him back in your lineup. Uh, and then, uh, Will Fuller, he, he struggled a little bit as well, uh, in tight coverage, uh, against that Jaguars secondary, but I still like him as a boomer bust wide receiver three. Um, the, the main issue with Kiki QT now is with Kenny Stills, excuse me, Kenny Stills in town. Um, Kuti played 28 snaps in that game against Jacksonville and Kenny Stills played 24 so neither of these guys is startable uh, as long as they're splitting this target share the snap count um, really all you want is Watson Hopkins uh, Fuller and maybe Hyde the Chargers lost they should win on the uh, lost a game they should have won on the road in Detroit I thought this season they would put these bad losses behind them, but in true Charger fashion, they had two big touchdowns negated by penalties or otherwise, and a, a short miss from uh, from Austin Eckler as well. Eckler's a monster right now, a man on a mission. He is the running back one, and he's running back one here again uh, after another week of 17 carries, 66 yards, and a touchdown, plus six, of, uh, six catches for 67 yards, and a touchdown that was called back. Justin Jackson looks really good in limited work and is a must-own non-starter for now. Uh, Keenan Allen took Darius Slade to school for eight catches, 98 yards, but no touchdown. And there's nobody on Houston that can shut him down. Mike Williams has potential to be a big upside back-end wide receiver, too, this week as well. Uh, expect Houston to put up some points and expect Houston to not be able to stop the Chargers very well at all. 
My only concern with Mike Williams is, uh, you know, that knee injury. I don't know if that he's 100% yet. Uh, he was in, he was questionable going into week two, and he ended up playing limited snaps um, in, like, the necessary situations. But uh, hopefully... He looked really good in those snaps, though. He had some really sweet diving catches, played played pretty well. He did look really good. Um, I will say that. Uh, just something something to monitor um, his practice status. We've seen sometimes these injuries get re-aggravated. Um, so just make sure that he's good to go for week three. Uh, but certainly if he's active, um, certainly very high upside here. Uh, I, I like, you know, I like Rivers a lot, but the Chargers curse continues. Um, you see him, <laughs> you see him not cursing on the sideline, but just angry and, and sad. And, you know, a, co- a couple big injuries to start the season on offense and defense, then some missed, ki- missed kicks, and then he throws a pick, and just choking away games seems to be the Chargers' M.O. Um, Rivers is serviceable in fantasy, but his ceiling and floor are a little bit lower with Hunter Henry out. Um, he's he's a high-end QB, too, in this matchup. Should still be fine. As you said, Eckler's a workhorse. I've got him as a high-end running back, too. Um, Justin Jackson does look very good. Uh, you know, certainly a high upside handcuff. But the only my only concern with Jackson is... I think if Eckler were to go down with some big injury, uh, I think at that point the Chargers just you know pony up and pay Melvin Gordon. I, I don't know that they're going to roll with just Jackson uh, as the guy in the backfield. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, and then for oh, me, I don't think so. I think I think they'll get Jackson. They'll they'll have Jackson look like the stud he's looking like right now, and they'll have JJ back him up. Uh, yeah, maybe, but I think at that point they'll come to some type of agreement with Gordon. Uh, I think the reports there's are there. no, there's literally no way they come to an agreement with Gordon. He wants he wants top two running back money, and they've shown they don't need him whatsoever. But I think at the same time he has to come back at any at some point anyway, right? To to get the year on his contract so that he can progress in his contract. Well, they said that about Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. These players will do whatever they think is right for their ego. Okay, maybe. Um, that That's just something to consider, I guess, uh, if you're holding on to Justin Jackson. Uh, I like him a lot as a player. I just don't know that the Chargers, like you said, they'll sign a Jai or somebody. It's still going to be a committee, right? Yeah, it, it certainly won't be. I mean, every even, even Zeke seeds some carries to Tony Pollard. There's right. no backfield right. that's – I mean, actually – the Jaguars, I think there's only been one carry uh, for one touch or one target to a running back this season. Uh, granted, it's only two games, but only one touch uh, running back touch that hasn't been to Leonard Fournette for that team so far. Right, and I don't think Christian McCaffrey's missed a single snap. <laughs> true, although, also, also true. Although my only concern with that is if you own these guys, are they going to hold up for 16 games at that pace? That's always the question. That's the worry always, especially with my, with uh Justin Fournette, or uh, well, wow. Leonard Fournette. Yeah, Justin Forsett. That's <laughs> yeah, where yeah, you're going. That, that's exactly where I was um, going. Yep. Yeah, but uh, you know, just finishing up uh, the Chargers here. Keen Allen, of course, he's a target monster. He's a wide receiver one. You're starting him. Um, this game can go either way, but until the Chargers prove that they cannot choke, I'll bet on the Houston Texans. Yeah, I have Bill O'Brien coaching himself into a loss here. Yep. Like I said, I, I could see either team choking, uh, but I will bet yep. on the, the original uh, choke artist. The original chokes. Yep. Yeah. All right. Pittsburgh at San Francisco. Big uh, Big Ben is down and out for the season. It's unclear what exactly caused this injury, but something went wrong with his throwing elbow, and he is having surgery. 
this leaves the sophomore Mason Rudolph at the helm. He was not terrible in relief, actually throwing two touchdowns to the tight end, Vance McDonald. I don't think the outlook changes for McDonald as a back-end tight end one, but the wide receivers are a total mess here. Moncrief is done, it looks like. Uh, Juju will get targets, but fewer scoring opportunities. Still a wide receiver one, but definitely temper expectations. Um, I'm not giving up just yet on him. Uh, keep an eye on James Washington. He was great in the preseason with Rudolph both this year and last year. And they have that college connection going, both drafted out of Oklahoma State in 2008 together. Uh, James Conner looks like he's in trouble, too, with some injury news. Uh, monitor that as the week progresses, see what's going on with Jalen Samuels. Yeah, I, I think um, Ben Roethlisberger got hurt um, playing football. Oh, wow. Yeah, you figured <laughs> it out. Um, no, but I think I saw a report that uh, he actually suffered this uh, week one and he was kind of dealing with with practice or something. Um, I don't know. Um, at this point, it doesn't matter. He's done for the year. Yep. So a uh, big downgrade for the entire Steelers offense here. Um, a little concerned about Connor, but he did actually uh, go on his radio show today, um, say that he feels fine. It was just a, a worrying at the time, but he got checked out hmm. and he's all good. So um, but oh, certainly good. keep Jalen Samuels uh, on your watch list, uh, maybe on your bench and deeper bench leagues. Um, Samuel showed that he would be a workhorse if Connor were to miss a game. So he would still have RB2 upside just based on volume alone, even if the Steelers offense isn't great. Um, to your point, <sighs> Rudolph looked okay, but if you recall, uh, this was against the Seattle defense that gave up 400 yards and three touchdowns to Andy Dalton. So I wouldn't, I would take that with a grain of salt, just saying. Uh, Juju unfortunately will suffer from Mason Rudolph. Uh, you know, even if he's pretty good, he's not going to be Ben. He's not going to pepper him with targets. Uh, probably downgrade from a wide receiver one to just a boomer bust wide receiver two until we see a little bit more from Rudolph. And as you said, the silver lining is that uh, this could actually be okay for Vance McDonald. Uh, he did uh, get the score. Uh, you know, he's a low end tight end one with some upside this week. Uh, and as you said, James Washington maybe. Maybe they can recreate that college magic. We'll see. The 49ers had a nice win in Cincinnati, and we will see if they can hold up against another AFC North team here. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo had a nice game, 300 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. He's becoming a decent streaming candidate after a horrible preseason. Uh, the rookie, Debo Samuel, saw five catches, seven targets, 87 yards, and a touchdown to Marquise Goodwin's three of three for 77 yards and a touchdown. Either are options as a very deep flex, though I'm not expecting a 41-point output versus Pittsburgh. I also don't expect uh, George Kittle to another th have another three-catch week. Those yards belong to him, and he, and he should uh, do quite well and return to his former former uh, former level of success. Maybe not. Maybe we're not seeing the same thing we saw last year, but he should definitely be better than he has been. Um, these running backs have been crazy for the Shanahan offense, especially this week. Matt Breida led the charge, 12 carries, 121 yards in one catch, followed by Raheem must start, 13 carries, 83 yards, three catches, and a receiving touchdown. And finally, Jeff Wilson Jr., 10 carries, 34 yards only, but wait, two touchdowns. Uh, the Niners can definitely get on top of bad defenses and make something like this happen with the running backs. But I'm betting this isn't as near of a productive week here. Uh, Breed is probably just fine as your running back, too, for now. Uh, Mostert is an upside flex. I would not do much with Jeff Wilson Jr. in a week where they probably won't be dominating as much rushing and possession time. 
I mean, are we sure that they're not going to be dominating the time of possession against Mason <laughs> yeah. Rudolph, though? I mean, the, the, the possibility's there, but San Francisco's defense is also not phenomenal. Uh, Mason Rudolph should have an opportunity to lead this offense, at least manage it somewhat responsibly well enough. Yeah, I mean, well, we'll see. But I, I do think that the game script is there to potentially have another big game on the ground. Sure. Um, ooh. Uh, big trade alert here. Uh, apparently the Steelers are trading a first-round pick to the Dolphins for Minka Fitzpatrick. Very interesting. Um, uh, what's that? Okay. Yeah, I mean... I, I said okay. Uh, wow. Yeah. So, um... That's, uh, that's going to be an awfully early first-round pick, though, don't you think? <laughs> it certainly could be. So, I will see about that, but, uh... Maybe, uh, I mean, you know, I guess if you're going to lose this year anyway, uh, you know, start building start building that young defense up, especially with TJ Watt, Fitzpatrick now. They could be pretty solid. Wow. How do, how do you go after a Dolphins defensive back that isn't Xavier Howard? Um, or why would you pay first for Fitzpatrick when you might get Jalen Ramsey for that first? Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is... I don't know. I don't like this move for them at all, to be honest. I, this this team has the makings of that being a top five pick this coming year, and certainly Minka Fitzpatrick it can't be worth that. Well, as uh, as my girlfriend says, uh, not my zoo, not my monkey. So not a Steelers fan, not my problem. We'll see how they do. Um, <laughs> I, I've started just FYI. I've started picking up that phrase. I quite like it. Um, oh, I, I I've never heard it before. Uh, I think it's a Polish circus phrase or something. I don't know. Oh, uh, very nice. I love the Polish circus. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of, a lot to unpack here about the 49ers. Um, I like Garoppolo going forward as a low-end QB1. Um, you know, uh, it was a somewhat matchup, but uh, at the same time, I think we're seeing this Shanahan offense start to come to life with a healthier Garoppolo. Um, the problem with the running backs is that uh, the Pittsburgh's defensive line is pretty good, um, and it is a full-on committee, as you said. I think both Breida and Mostert are high in flex plays. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr., more of a boomer bust running back four or five. He's really more touchdown dependent, though uh, we have seen that that role can have fantasy value a la Malcolm Brown in, uh, on the Rams. I think another issue here is uh, if you have Tevin Coleman on your team, as sadly I do on quite a few, um, it might be time to try and trade him to the Breda or Mostert owner. I think that even when Coleman comes back, it's probably going to still be kind of a messy committee here, don't you think? Yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a committee, just like we saw last year, just like we've seen week in and week out. Yeah, I think if you need help at like wide receiver or something, maybe even like a wide receiver three, like John Ross or Terry McLaurin for Tevin Coleman, I'd probably take that. Thoughts. Not quite. It depends on your team makeup on it. I mean, it depends on your team makeup, honestly. I I don't personally think that John Ross or Terry McLaurin keep this going for very much longer, but that's just me. Okay, but like a, a wide receiver three type that you believe in, right? Yeah, maybe like a real one. Yeah, like Deshaun Jackson or something. Well, I don't think anyone's trading Deshaun Jackson for Tevin Coleman, though. I think so. I think Deshaun Jackson has a long enough history in the league where where people who have been fans and played fantasy long enough still have this opinion of him where he's a boom bust sort of player where I think he actually has sort of regular like every week value now. But but it, it's hard to shake preconceived notions or roles that players have developed over, you know, a multi-year career. Sure. Um, OK, well, if 
Uh, if any of our listeners uh, send that offer out and manage to pull that off, please tweet at us. We would love to see that trade happen. Um, Let's but find yeah. out. Um, and as you said, uh, you know, Kittle's been pretty quiet through two weeks, but he had two touchdowns called back in week one. And then this week they just dominated against Cincinnati. Didn't really need to throw it a whole lot. So um, now uh, he gets to face the Steelers defense that just allowed two touchdowns to Will Disley. So um, don't worry too much about George Kittle. Still a top tight end option this week. Um, and then real quick on the wide receivers, it, it looks like, you know, last week we talked about Debo Samuel and Marquise Goodwin probably as the best plays in this offense. Um, and I think we're seeing enough now with some target share shaking out. Uh, Dante Pettis can clearly be dropped now in all redraft formats. Uh, don't know what yeah. happened there, but uh, so much preseason hype and then just nothing. So I think Samuel's probably the best stash. Uh, I'd like him as a uh you know as a wide receiver three or flex play and then goodwin too as a more of a boomer bust he's more of a uh, deep threat whereas i think samuel will get involved on different jet sweeps shorter shorter passes all those options um yeah i just i don't think it's a sure thing here for the niners but uh with roethlisberger out uh, i'm definitely gonna take him at home i am taking the niners at home as well all right new orleans it's New Orleans at Seattle. The Saints took a big hit with the loss of Drew Brees for uh, the coming few weeks. Uh, Alvin Kamara is still a running back. One Thomas probably still holds his value uh, the best of anybody on the team due to his frequent target frequent targets. But there's no starting any of these fringe players if you were considering them. Ted Ginn and Traquan Smith are complete drops. Murray is firmly on the bench, if not dropped after what we see him not do this coming week. Severely diminished value there. Cook is a tight end streamer at best. Uh, just sad what happened to this team. Yeah, it was uh, it was sad. Watching that video of uh, Drew Brees on the sideline trying to pick up a football and just dropping it right away. Um, sounds like he's going to be out for <laughs> at least six weeks following this thumb surgery. Teddy Bridgewater, he's got some upset against a, a Seahawks secondary that's really struggled through two weeks, but I can't imagine, you know, gambling on him in a shallow one quarterback format until we see how how he does at least. And uh, something to keep in the back of your mind, um, you know, if Bridgewater doesn't perform well, it's not impossible that maybe we get to see some more Taysom Hill. Um, I, I have him in a couple <laughs> of Superflex Dynasty leagues, and um, my best comparison for him, I think of him as like a as a poor man's Josh Allen, sort of. You know, he's fast, he runs a lot. Uh, clearly, he's been used as a tight end and on gadget plays with Breeze. Um, but I think he's got an arm as well. So, uh, you know, if Bridgewater were to get pulled, uh, I think he's he's an interesting guy. As you said, uh, Kamara and Thomas still re- retain a lot of their value, but their weekly ceiling is definitely lower. Uh, I've got Kamara now just as a back-end running back one, maybe not as many scoring opportunities. And uh, Michael Thomas still still got double-digit targets after Bridgewater came in the game, so he should still be a low-end wide receiver one with some upside here. And as you said, the only other guy to consider is Jared Cook. You're not you're not starting Ginn or uh, or Traquan Smith or anyone else uh, with Bridgewater in. Seattle eked out a win from the Steelers on the road with Ben out, and now they get the Saints with Drew Brees out. Uh, Russell Wilson is just a quarterback that keeps getting it done. Despite whatever game plan or peripheral stats there are, he puts up another 300 yards and three touchdowns. Chris Carson stays locked in as a running back one for me with about a 10-point floor with the passing work he's getting. Very, very good player. Tyler Lockett saw that increase in targets we'd expect with nobody on Seattle who could cover him. Ten catches or uh, 
Yeah, clearly nobody on Seattle's covering him, right? 10 catches, 12 targets, 79 yards. DK Metcalf saw another seven targets, uh, converting one into a score here, and he is a must-own in all leagues. The production for this team should continue. If you want to chase touchdowns with Will Disley, be my guest. Uh, I'm personally staying off that train, but uh, it's certainly been fun for his whole NFL career so far. Yeah, DK Metcalf's looking really good. I'd, I don't know if I'm, I'd call him a must-own just yet, but certainly he's playing on a ton of snaps. We see that he's getting efficient targets from Wilson. I think he's more of a boomer bust flex play uh, for now. Uh, Tyler Lockett's still the guy you want, obviously. But the other thing is uh, it was a little bit concerning. Uh, after that workhorse usage for Chris Carson week one, we saw a lot more Rashad Penny involved in week two, um, especially with that uh, touchdown he got with Russell Wilson as a lead blocker downfield. Uh, I still like Carson as a mid-range RB2 here, but uh, the Saints are a better run defense than they are a pass defense, um, so I don't see a huge ceiling. Uh, you know, even with... This is how good Sean Payton's been in his career because even without Breeze, I think there's a chance that they could, you know, their defense could keep him in this game. But, uh, you know, the Seahawks' defense has really struggled, uh, even against topping Mason Rudolph, so I'm still going to lean the Seahawks here at home, but uh, I could see Bridgewater doing just enough to get the Saints a close win. I think Seattle takes this one at home. I, I think Sean Payton definitely has the skills, definitely has the ability to use his players, know how to install a nice offense that will work for them between Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill, which as you alluded to, I think there will be a bit more of a split weave. I mean, Hill was taking some snaps from Breeze. It's just I don't think Bridgewater really has that offense uh, installed in his mind the way that it needs to be. But he will get there. Um, They long-term outlook for this New Orleans team. I don't have them knocked out of the playoffs yet, just yet, honestly. I think they have a a decent shot to put a few wins together, not this week, but string a few wins together coming, and then have Breeze come back and find their way in. Yeah, I could I could see that if they go like three and four or something over the next seven games, it's still possible that they squeeze into the playoffs. Absolutely. All right, that'll take us into the, our Sunday night football game this week: the L.A. Rams at the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Goff was good, but not great at home uh, versus. I don't know why I wrote versus the Rams. I think he was playing a team called the Saints, though he (laughs) did have a touchdown called off with a penalty. Uh, He has had trouble on the road, but the upside always exists with these three wide receivers here. Todd Gurley is uh, is a back-end running back one this week. I would not start Brown here at all. We saw a bit... um, further of a target shake or a, of a carry shakedown here. Uh, things looked a lot rosier for, for Gurley without Brown getting the touchdown here. And I really think all that happened that last week was not him getting goal line carries for the extra work. They just so happened to be on the goal line for the series that Brown was in looking at it more. Um, he was in that whole series. It's not like they took Gurley out and put him in. Um, all three wide receivers are weekly auto starts, in my opinion. Cup was inches from a touchdown here, and Woods had a touchdown called back. So that would have been a two-touchdown swing for Jared Goff this last game. Uh, don't let the numbers this week bother you. The team still scored 27 points, is fine, will be fine, and will load your team up with fantasy glory. Yeah, I um, so I, I've been thinking about this since the Super Bowl, and I think the Rams' success is really you know, like 30% the defense, 60% Sean McVay, and then 10% Jared Goff. Like, do you think this offense mm. would be that much worse with Case Keenum? No, I don't. Yeah, I, I, I think, think th- this would have been a great Nick Foles-led uh, Rams team. 
Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I could see like my. I think that Sean McVay is basically like putting his. No, oh, all right. I don't want to use that metaphor. What you're saying is Jared Goff's a system quarterback. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but you know what? It, it shouldn't really matter because as long as he's tied to Sean McVay, he's going to be a fantasy quarterback one. I like him here against a good but not dominant Browns defense that we're showing that we're seeing is uh you know doing well against the Jets, but that's to be expected, right? Um. Well, yeah. Luke Falk is leading the team right now. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, so I don't know how much that says about the Browns defense. Uh, of course, Gurley owners, as you said, did get some reassurance. Uh, as I alluded to last week, I, I would um, compare this running back situation uh, somewhat to Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray before uh, the Drew Brees injury. Um, so uh, Gurley is still a back-end running back one. Uh, I, I like Brown as a flex, but he's going to be touchdown dependent. And then it's really going to be tough to project these Rams wide receivers with Cup back healthy now. As you said, he got tackled on the half-yard line. That would have been a huge play, an extra six points there. Um, It's going to be tough to predict. I think Cup's the the mid-range wide receiver, too, the safest floor. Um, He seems to still be, again, now that he's healthy, the go-to guy for Goff. Woods, uh, you know, I I believe you said you think Woods is the the number one guy here, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think Woods and Cup are close. They're both reliable, but certainly we agree that Cooks is probably the most boomer bust among these three, right? Yep. Yes. Um, and then even though Tyler Higby left the game with a chest injury, apparently he's coughing up blood, but still it's supposedly minor, which just goes to show you how tough these guys <laughs> are. Um, uh, no big deal. Just a little blood being coughed up here. Um, so as long as Higby and Everett are both playing, neither are going to be relevant for fantasy. Tonight we're seeing a bit of a get-right game for Baker Mayfield after that horrendous performance last week. Uh, but this is a bad matchup for a Brown, for the Browns here versus L.A. Uh, OBJ is not finding anyone's bench anytime soon. And Nick Chubb is a clear start, looking good tonight with a touchdown 50 yards so far. Um, but that's it for this week. The, May, the Rams may have the best slot corner in the game on top of their, their other good corners. And I don't see much upside in Jarvis Landry or uh, Dave Njoku this coming week. Yeah, and that's if Njoku even clears concussion protocol. Uh, even if he plays, he's a risky tight end, too. Uh, we haven't seen him um, very involved in the offense here. So uh, Landry, hmm, he's a PPR flex. Uh, I think you could do worse. But again, with so many good wide receiver threes coming out this year, uh, a lot of them boomer bust. Uh, I don't know that Landry's much safer, and I don't know that he has the upside of some of those guys. So um, certainly uh, not necessarily droppable, but uh, Landry has yet to show a, a whole lot of promise. I'll, I'll say, I'll put it that way. Um, there we go. Give me the Rams. Yeah, I will take the Rams as well. Monday night football, Chicago at Washington. I don't know if I've ever been less enthused for a Chicago game after a win. Uh, the Bears get an extra day to install their offense uh, versus uh, versus Washington. They won a close, very ugly game against Denver. Things are trending in the right direction for David Montgomery for a usage standpoint, but this team is stagnating right now. Uh, very unexciting Monday night football from a fantasy standpoint. I'm not playing Mitchell with any confidence. I'm avoiding this backfield for now. Tara Conan had four carries and five targets only with the return of Anthony Miller. David Montgomery does have a very, very bright future ahead, but it's not this week. It might be the season, though. I'd buy low on Montgomery if he's available. Obviously, in my sort of leagues, which are Chicago-based um, 
It's not like you can just go and pluck them off of somebody that that uh, got them inadvertently. Uh, but in your leagues, your guys' leagues, maybe there's somebody who's given up hope. Um, I think by seasons, and he becomes a very solid wide or running back too, if not better. The wide receivers are all avoids for me if you can. Allen Robinson is the only consideration for now, and only as a wide receiver three or flex. Yep, and I, well, you know, I think David Montgomery, even in week two, um, started showing promise because the box score wasn't pretty, but the big story here, the big story was the big increase in workload for Montgomery because he played 27 snaps out of a possible 71 offensive snaps in week one. And week two, he played 27 again out of 60, which isn't the biggest increase. Uh, in fact, it's not an increase at all, but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, Mung, uh, you say, uh, who's terrible at math, uh, 27 equals 27. Um, but, the <laughs> fact, but the fact that Montgomery had 18 carries uh, in week two compared to nine combined between Cohen, Davis, and Patterson, that's certainly inclu- uh, in, excuse me, uh, optimistic for Montgomery's outlook. And then three straight goal line carries. Um, that's, the big, that's the big number to keep in your mind here. Um, red zone goal line usage is what we want to see for our fantasy running backs. Um, even though Cohen still led the running backs in the passing game usage with five targets, um, at the same time Montgomery wasn't that far behind, got three targets in the passing game. Uh, it looks like his workload is ramping up. Uh, as you said, I don't know that you can trust it just yet, but um, I think he's a low-end running back two, high-end running back three here. Uh, this is the kind of big workload that you want to see. Denver was a really tough matchup, so if he can get like 60-70% of the workload again out of the backfield, um, he could have a decent night here in prime time. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, Cohen's still involved enough in the pass game to have some upside, but just a flex play. Uh, and then finally, Allen Robinson. I think you you have him as a wide receiver three or flex, but I still like him as a low-end wide receiver two. Um, I think really that was just Chris Harris Jr. shutting him down, and I think he's going to have a bounce-back week here. Of course, uh, the big concern is Mitch Trubisky. Uh, I really don't know what to make of it. Uh, you know, he was... He had his good and his bad last year, um, certainly was up and down, but it looks like he was trending up a little bit, uh, but now he just looks not comfortable at all just running this offense. I can't really explain it. Uh, the, the line's doing its job. The running game's okay. The receivers aren't the greatest, but uh, you know there's enough talent there for him to work with. So I just don't know. Uh, and then finally, the tight ends. <laughs> all three of the tight ends got three targets apiece, which means none of them are startable in fantasy. If you drafted Trey Burton, uh, I would not lose any sleep over dropping him. No, I wouldn't either. In fact, I'd lose sleep about drafting him in the first place. Uh, the Redskins put together another surprising 21 points versus uh, Dallas despite the loss. They are definitely outperforming their expected output. That said, it still is not pretty, and I'm certainly not putting up up against the Bears' defense here. Adrian Peterson led the backfield with 10 carries, 25 yards, and a touchdown to Chris Thompson's two carries plus five catches on on eight targets. Sorry, five catches on eight targets for 48 yards. Terry McLaurin should probably be owned, but certainly not started here versus Chicago. Uh, Real quick game break here. Hello, Odell Beckham. Welcome to the Browns. Yeah, that was pretty. Um, Washington, uh, they've, you know, it's kind of crazy. They've played lights out in the first quarter for two weeks in a row now. 
Um, they shut down Philadelphia, and then they shut down Dallas in the first quarter. Uh, maybe if you do sports betting, uh, make a bet on the spread of the first quarter on Washington. But uh, other than that, it seems like they seem to fall apart for the rest of the game. Uh, Case Keenum, though, I think he's a top five fantasy quarterback right now um, through two games. <laughs> uh, crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, I thought this Washington offense was going to be an absolute dumpster fire, but uh, they've looked surprisingly decent so far. That said, while we may stream Case Keenum here and there over the over the season, uh, definitely would avoid him this week against the Bears. I would fade both Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson as well. Um, Thompson, he's been involved a lot in the clo- in the in the catching game, in the receiving game, excuse me, um, to have fantasy upside rest of the season. But again, the Bears linebackers are so quick. I don't see him doing much uh, with his catches. Um, I don't see a whole lot of yards or any touchdowns. Um, for either running back here. And then finally, uh, Terry McLaurin, um, as you said, he's not proven just yet, but he seems to be Keenum's go-to guy. Uh, And we saw that Keenum can at least um, keep this offense fantasy relevant, even if they don't win many games in real life. So I think this is another low-scoring game here. I would not start McLaurin this week, um, but he is a guy to monitor the rest of the season. Uh, I will take the Bears here on the road. Uh, if anything, the defense will do its job, having given up only two touchdowns through two games. I'll take the Bears too. Let's go Bears. Uh, there are no teams on a week two by or a week three bye. Yep. And then kicking off the injury section, let's start with Drew Brees. Uh, surgery on his thumb, likely out for at least six weeks, maybe more. Yeah, Brees couldn't even grip that football on the sidelines during the Rams game. It, it just sounds like. You know, he maybe he's out until after New Orleans week nine bye. Uh, so he should still be rostered in deeper leagues or if you've got an IR spot, but not a must hold in shallow, excuse me, shallow 10 or 12 team one quarterback formats. And then Ben Roethlisberger uh, with the elbow injury out for the year. He's droppable in all redraft formats. And then Sam Darnold with mono, uh, likely out at least three weeks, if not more. Yes, it's the kissing disease, but uh, the concern <laughs> here is that mono can also cause the spleen to swell up. Uh, he says he feels fine, but the NFL requires a minimum of three weeks of recovery and observation for this injury or for this disease, I guess. Um, he was a flyer quarterback in the late rounds to start with, so he's droppable in shallow one quarterback formats as well. As for the running backs, uh, James Conner with that knee injury in the fourth quarter versus Seattle. He's questionable, but likely to play week three. We're not sure what the injury exactly was, but Connor said on his radio show today that it was minor and that he expects to play week three. Uh, Damian Williams with a right knee contusion left the game versus Oakland in the third quarter. We'll see how severe this injury is, but Andy Reid does not sound concerned that Williams will miss any time. If he were to, though, McCoy would have running back one upside. But speaking of LaShawn McCoy, he has an ankle injury that also sounds minor. There shouldn't be too much concern right now about either running back, but Daryl Williams and Darwin Thompson will both be on our waiver ad section coming up. Both have immense upside if either Damian Williams or LaShawn McCoy were to miss time. Devin Singletary, hamstring injury, likely out at least two to three weeks. Singletary pulled up on a run in the fourth quarter versus the Giants and looked to be in pain. There's a risk of re-injury with this kind of soft tissue injuries, um, so Singletary is likely out for week three, and we'll see after that, depending on the grade of the hamstring tear. Tevin Coleman with that high ankle sprain, still likely out for a couple of weeks. 
It may be time for Coleman owners to explore trading him to the Breida or Mostert owners. It looks like there's a full-on running back committee going on in San Francisco. And Coleman may not be more than a flex even when he does return. Darius Geis, meniscus surgery on knee, on the IR. Sadly, he is probably a huge bust this year. Even if he were to return week 11 or later, he's likely in a committee on a bad offense. If you make it to the fantasy playoffs in week 13, I'd imagine you have a better running back option at that point. Geis is droppable in most redraft formats. Yep, and moving on to the wide receivers here, Michael Gallup with that knee surgery on his meniscus. Uh, it's a fairly minor surgery, pretty routine, should only keep him out about two to four weeks. We saw DK Metcalf return and play uh, after a similar uh, surgery earlier this season. So Gallup is still worth holding on to as the number two wide receiver in what could be a very good Cowboys offense. Um, Sterling Shepard with that concussion, as we said, he missed week two, but without a con- uh, excuse me, without a history of concussions here, uh, Shepard's likely to go through the protocol and return for week three at Tampa Bay. Tyrell Williams with that hip injury. Uh, you know, he was in and out of that game against the Chiefs. He's going to be questionable for week three, probably going to play, but how effectively is the question? Uh, he's the clear number one guy in Oakland, but that pain injection uh, could limit him. Uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if he plays week three, but you still might not want to start him, especially against Minnesota. Then we've got Deshaun Jackson with a groin injury and Alshon Jeffrey with a calf injury. Uh, The early reports are that neither one of these is serious, but again, both of them are injuries that can linger, and both of these players are players who've had issues aggravating injuries before. Um, So consider them questionable for week three. Definitely going to keep monitoring the Eagles practice reports this week. Tyreek Hill just revisiting from last week. That SC shoulder joint dislocation probably still out for at least three or four weeks, if not more. Demarcus Robinson and Mikkel Hardman played well in his absence, but he's still going to be the top dog in this offense upon his return, so do not drop him. And then A.J. Green recovering from that ankle surgery still, probably still at least two or three weeks away. Um, If you drafted him in the middle of the late rounds, though, you knew that you'd be starting the season without him. The Bengals' offense does look pretty competent, so maybe he's got some upside here. If you've held on to him for this long, keep holding. No really big uh, tight end injuries. We're doing fairly well on the season. That just Hunter Henry with that leg fracture uh, for at least four to six weeks, if not more. Uh, Sadly, he uh, seems to be in that Tyler Eifert and Jordan Reed category of tight end where they're dynamic when on the field, but they miss a lot of time with various injuries. Uh, Henry might be worth holding in tight end premium or deeper formats, but he's worth trying to trade away or outright, outright dropping given this prognosis here. Yeah. Very sad for Hunter Henry. Uh, certainly a very good player, but uh, it just seems like for fantasy, it's, it may not work out for him. Um, yep. Let's move on to the waiver wire ads here. Uh, starting off with the quarterbacks. We talked about Josh Allen last week, still only 30% owned in ESPN leagues, 40% owned in Yahoo surprisingly low still he's a high floor high ceiling qb2 due to that rushing upside i know i like him more than you do los um but as we discussed on last week's section uh, if you added him he got you two, 22 points this week um and now he gets to face a Bengals defense that's given up almost 500 yards and five touchdowns through the air in the first two games jimmy garoppolo at 24 percent owned in espn 48 percent owned in yahoo the Niners have now won two straight road games. Uh, pretty good. Um, this offense looks like it's finally coming together under Shanahan. 
without Ben Roethlisberger, uh, uh, there could be some Steelers drives that could stall, or they might give away some turnovers with Mason Rudolph here, uh, giving Garoppolo and company plenty of scoring opportunities at home. Kirk Cousins, uh, 42% owned in ESPN, 56% owned in Yahoo. Look, he's a risky start after two bad games to start the season and possibly still low passing volume in what should be a win at home. But we just saw Mahomes torch this Oakland secondary. Uh, plus, Cousins had that second touchdown to Diggs called back due to the iffy offensive pass interference call. So if you're desperate, Cousins has some upside in this game. And then Taysom Hill, uh, real quick, 1% owned in ESPN and in Yahoo. In deeper leagues or super flex two-quarterback formats, he's worth a, uh, he's worth a preemptive ad. While the Rams' defense uh, is a tough test to get thrown into in the middle of a game without any prep, Bridgewater just looked uninspiring. Uh, if you want upside, maybe Hill could be a poor man's Josh Allen. You know, he's not afraid to run the ball. That rushing upside could give him fantasy QB1 upside if Sean Payton decides to make the switch. As for your running back waiver wire ads for this week, Peyton Barber, 65% owned in ESPN, 47% Yahoo. Hopefully Peyton Barber owners did not drop him prematurely after the news that Ronald Jones might see more work. It was a bald-faced lie by Bruce Arians as Barber was a workhorse in Tampa based win versus Carolina on Thursday night. The Giants' defense is tough to run on, but both Zeke and Frank Gore have found the end zone in consecutive weeks against them. Barber could be next and is a worthy flex play this week. Chris Thompson, uh, 52% ESPN, 48% owned in Yahoo. Peterson is the higher-owned Washington running back, despite the fact that Thompson has much more upside in PPR formats. Thompson is a fade this week against a tough Chicago linebackers with quick closing speed, but he's flex-worthy in PPR rest of season with Geis out. Raheem Mostert, 11% owned in ESPN, 16% in Yahoo. Clearly not many heeded the must-start-most-start directive we preached last week. This is a full-blown committee in San Francisco, but both Burita and Mostert are showing potential in Shanahan's scheme. With Tevin Coleman due back in a few weeks, Mostert doesn't have huge long-term upside, but he's a flex with upside at home versus Pittsburgh, and any time either Coleman or Burita is out. Frank Gore, 16% ESPN, 8% Yahoo. With Devin Singletary out with a hamstring injury, Gore is the next man up, just in time to play against the Cincinnati defense that just allowed 250 yards and two touchdowns on the ground to the San Francisco running backs. Gore is a low-end running back, too, this week and should be a flex going forward as long as Singletary is out. Jalen Samuels, 26% owned in ESPN, 35% in Yahoo. We mentioned Samuels as a high upside handcuff on last week's waiver section, and here we are. Connor will play week three, but Sunday's game showed us Samuels will, uh, would be a workhorse if Connor misses time. He could be worth adding preemptively, even with Pittsburgh offense downgraded from missing Roethlisberger here. Darwin Thompson, 19% owned in ESPN and 18% owned in Yahoo. And Daryl Williams, 0% owned across the board, except I know there was some believer that had him in the preseason. Thompson is the <laughs> more dynamic player. You're referring player, to yourself, of course. I, I just might be. Thompson is the more dynamic player, but both could be very, very flex-worthy or more if either Damian Williams or LaShawn McCoy misses time. And then our bundle of handcuffs, Tony Pollard, 25% and 22%. Gus Edwards, about 5% across. And Chase Edmonds sitting at 3 None of these backups are must-holds, depending on how many teams and bench spots your league has. 
as we mentioned during last week, uh, last week's waiver wire section. However, Jalen Samuels was also mentioned here last week, and now he's a priority ad. You could save some valuable fab dollars and hold on to these high upside handcuffs for free preemptively, especially when we've already had an injury scare with Mark Ingram lying down on the sidelines briefly during the game versus Arizona in week two, and with David Johnson leaving the same game for a while with a wrist injury here. Yeah, certainly, uh, certainly don't want to see stuff like that happening. But uh, if you have these guys, uh, you'll be prepared. Um, something to keep in mind. But uh, moving on, the wide receivers here: DK Metcalf, sixty-six percent owned in ESPN, forty-nine percent owned in Yahoo leagues. Uh, Russell Wilson showed his willingness and his ability to target Metcalf on those tight window throws, and uh, he's become uh, close to every down player. Uh, even as a rookie, even on this run-heavy offense, Metcalf could return wide receiver three value. Mikkel Hardman and Demarcus Robinson. Hardman's owned in 38% of ESPN leagues, 40% of Yahoo, and then Demarcus Robinson, 1% of ESPN leagues, 6% of Yahoo leagues. Both of these wide receivers are boomer bust flex plays or wide receiver three plays, uh, but they have weekly wide receiver one upside in this prolific Kansas City offense. Both of these guys are going to face a Baltimore secondary that will still be without cornerback Jimmy Smith uh, with that knee sprain. The Ravens just allowed 350 passing yards to Kyler Murray uh, and had some big plays to Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. So I can only imagine uh, the sky is the limit for Mahomes, Watkins, Hardman, and Robinson this week. Terry McLaurin, we talked a little bit about 41% owned in ESPN, 51% in Yahoo. McLaurin is clearly Case Keenum's go-to guy. He's being targeted plenty in the red zone. And even against a a tough Chicago Bears defense, McLaurin has some flex appeal, but more so for the rest of the season, McLaurin could be a wide receiver three with upside. The San Francisco wide receivers here, Debo Samuel at 13% owned in ESPN, 14% in Yahoo, and then Marquise Goodwin, 4% in ESPN, 20% in Yahoo. This Niners offense uh, is going to be somewhat unpredictable in target share, but from just a small two-week sample size. It seems like Samuel and Goodwin are the two top wide receivers here. I'd equate them to the Rams wide receivers with Goodwin as the bigger deep threat, more boomer bust a la Brandon Cooks, and Samuel is the more consistent first read with a higher PPR floor a la Robert Woods. And then finally we've got the Dallas wide receivers, uh, Randall Cobb, 18% in ESPN, 24% in Yahoo, and then Devin Smith, not owned anywhere. Uh, Cobb's going to be the fifth uh, in the passing game option behind Cooper, Gallup, Elliott, and Witten, but with Gallup out and uh, Dallas favored by 20-plus points at home against the Dolphins, uh, Cobb and Smith both have a short-term rental upside. Both are uh, flex plays in this great matchup. And they can likely be added for cheap, especially in deeper leagues where you might need wide receiver depth. And then we've got Chris Conley and GJ Shark. Conley is 20% owned in ESPN, 4% in Yahoo. Shark is 22% owned in ESPN, 13% in Yahoo. DD uh, Westbrook was the preseason darling on the Jaguars, but it still looks like a wide receiver by committee in Jacksonville. None of these guys are great options against the tough Titans defense on a short week. But Conley and Shark are both boomer bust wide receiver four options, with Gardner Minshew filling in pretty admirably for Nick Foles. And then one final add here, uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, just in case Deshaun Jackson uh, and uh, Alshon Jeffrey are both out, he would be worth a look. 
As for the tight ends, Jason Witten, 19% owned in ESPN, 15% Yahoo. Uh, Witten has now scored two touchdowns in back-to-back weeks to open the season. He's a boom-bust tight end, too, depending on whether he scores. But he's a good bet to do so again this week, facing a horrendous Miami defense at home. He may even get some added usage if Michael Gallup is out with the knee injury, which it seems like he will be. Will Disley, about 3% owned across the board. Disley went on IR last year after a hot start. And it seems that Russell Wilson is uh, looking at him again in the red zone pretty frequently. He likely won't have another two touchdowns on just five targets. But if you're desperate, you could do worse here. Like Witten, he's a touchdown dependent tight end two this week. Tyler Eifert, 13% in uh, ESPN, 9% Yahoo. If you're desperate, maybe Eifert racks up a few catches again this week with Buffalo's secondary. Likely much more concerned with locking down John Ross and Tyler Boyd. If you're lucky... Eifert could even find the end zone for a second consecutive week. Or maybe CJ Uzuma will instead. But that's the risk that comes with streaming tight ends. Yep. And then uh, moving on to the defenses here. uh, The Green Bay defense, 7% owned in ESPN, 17% owned in Yahoo. This Packers defense is much improved from last year. Uh, The addition of safety Adrian Amos and the development of second-year cornerback Jair Alexander could make this unit a top-10 fantasy defense this year. Green Bay is definitely worth starting against a poor Denver offensive line and the uh, quote-unquote elite Joe Flacco. And we've got the Tennessee defense here, 56% owned in ESPN leagues, 35% owned in Yahoo. The Titans have limited opponents to just 30 points through two games. And while the rookie uh, quarterback Gardner Minshew has looked serviceable, uh, this Tex- or, excuse me, this Titans unit has upside on a short week playing on Thursday night as these games tend to be low-scoring affairs. Uh, as for kickers, Joey Sly, 4% owned in ESPN, 12% Yahoo. Carolina's offense should get on track for, say, poor Arizona defense. Sly has been very good in Graham Cano's absence, and he should have another strong showing here on the road against against Cardinals. Uh, Chris Boswell, 5% owned in ESPN, 10% in Yahoo. Boswell's ownership percentage hasn't changed in either site since week one, so clearly we need to tout him again. Yes, he's a risky play if Pittsburgh's offense can't advance the football versus San Francisco with Mason Rudolph, but he looked very serviceable. They could kick a lot of field goals if they can't convert in the red zone. And as we said last week about Adam Vinatieri, this Hall of Famer looks done at 46 years old. I hope you didn't start him in week two, and if you did, it's time to rectify that. Yeah, um, what great, amazing career by Vinatieri, but uh, man, I think yes. it's, it's time to... It's time to kick back on a beach somewhere. There you go. That sounds nice about now. Yeah, and uh, hopefully uh, you're kicking back on a beach instead of chasing these waiver wire ads. Hopefully your teams are already 2-0 and and don't need these guys. But uh, if you are 1-1 and or if you are uh, unfortunately 0-2, uh, it's still very early in the season. Uh, in most leagues, the fantasy playoffs don't start until week 14. Plenty of time. To turn things around if things aren't going your way. So, uh, as always, if you've got more questions for us, uh, league specific, uh, you can always tweet at us. You can find us at FFA underscore Mung for Mung, right? You can find me at FFA underscore Los, but Mung has a lot more fun out there. He he knows what he's doing. He's really a he's really a gem on this Twitter game. 
Um, I just sort of exist. Uh, <laughs> Dan at FFA underscore Dan. You know, he's also a gem. We all know that. Uh, you can you can follow us and find us on any of your uh, listening platforms. We're available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Whether you're listening on your computer or mobile device, just be, clear, be sure to hit, click subscribe, and you'll automatically get downloaded into your inbox, you know, early Tuesday morning, late Monday night. We're there for you. Never forget that we're there for you, folks. Yeah, and uh, never forget Gardner Minshew, M-I-N-S-H-O-E, Minshew. (laughs) (laughs) As always, it's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. The first person to survive Alzheimer's disease is out there, and the Alzheimer's Association is going to make it happen. But we won't get there without you. Visit ALZ.org to join the fight. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.